Hey, this is Shannon K, and you're listening to Get Real. Hey, everyone, this is Shannon K, and welcome to Get Real. Joining us today is a Chief Strategy and Transformation Officer at Rogers Cohen and PMK. Please welcome Craig Green. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. So first off, how are you? How's quarantine treating you? I, I mean, <laughs> that's the question of the hour for everyone, I suppose. Um, you know, it's been fascinating because work has been impacted, obviously, in the way that it has been for everyone. Um, but sometimes it feels like I'm busier than ever. Um, and of course, you know, I'm a very social creature. So adapting to um, making to creating restaurant experiences at home with Uber Eats and Postmates has <laughs> been as close as I can get um, in the time. But trying to be very productive and, and safe at the same time, uh, striking that delicate balance that in California we're all at least striving for, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I mean, it's been absolutely frustrating for me as well because everything is on you know the digital and social world so we've just been trying to stay as sane as possible <laughs> yeah i saw you just had uh, your first uh, live stream concert back uh, um, which was super enjoyable to watch um, on that front uh, so i'm glad to see that you're still getting out of there and connecting with your fans and sharing your music that i can only imagine how difficult it is to film and record everything in in this in this time yeah, thank you so much for understanding. And yeah, it's just been so weird because I've been performing in front of cameras and not people. So it's just been crazy. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to start off with you. I have so many <laughs> questions about so many things. And first of all, we're, we're going to head back a little bit. And I want to know, you know, how you started off your career. How did you begin your journey? Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up in the rural middle west of in, in Indiana. Uh, mm-hmm. So I had no idea that red carpets or publicity or marketing or Hollywood or any of that existed. I thought people magically appeared on magazine covers because they just managed to get on a magazine cover, not that there was a whole machine or industry. Um, I ended up out at USC. Uh, here in LA, uh, at the University of Southern California. And I had been in love with movies my entire life. Uh, It's all I ever wanted to do was to do something with the movies. And there was an internship open at Warner Brothers, um, which I applied for and and got. Um, And it's been a short story ever since. And I ended up in field marketing. I was an intern for a very short period of time before I got hired to manage their college marketing program. It was at Warner Brothers, Disney, back to Warner Brothers, MGM, DreamWorks. Um, I took a brief segue to uh, law school, although I had no intention of becoming a lawyer. It turns out, in retrospect, if you don't want to be a lawyer, you shouldn't go to law school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then um, came back and continued working in marketing uh, afterwards uh, on a number of different networks and, and studios. But it was really, it was luck. I was working in the career office at USC and the day that the internship posting came in, I lost my mind and I was the very first person to apply. And I was the only person who sent a follow-up when I didn't hear back uh, saying, hey, are you still hiring? I still want this job. And they had something like 300 applicants, but only, but I was the only one who sent a follow-up. And so they gave me the job. 
Wow, that's great. Okay. <laughs> I'll make sure to give a follow-up on all my people as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out it turns out chasing after your dreams, as you know, can uh just requires keeping at it and keeping focused and 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 really doing everything you can to be in to put as many irons in the fire. Mm, totally. And how has, you know, the whole, because your work involves so much of digital and social things and everything, how has that affected uh, during this period of time? I mean, do you, was it like a bit of an advantage for you because you got, uh, you know, to showcase a lot of things and everybody was like on here, you know, most of the times, or was it really hard to connect? Yeah, I think, you know, our work has been interesting. You know, I, our agency represents um, some businesses that are obviously dramatically impacted by the pandemic. Um, there was a cruise line, for example, and they don't need marketing or publicity right now. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, some of our largest clients, um, MasterCard, uh, Facebook, uh, and Verizon, um, and the Girl Scouts of the USA, they're, they're, they're all clients that have products and consumers in this time, right? Like, Nobody's going to stop using their MasterCard in, in COVID and, and Facebook and Verizon. I mean, they're essential connection tools. What's been the challenge is really adapting to how people are changing mm -hmm. and how the, the way people interact with those products is, are changing. Um, they have very different needs now that they're, they're at home uh, for some folks, um, for essential workers and people who are still out in the world. Their, their lifestyle is very different in how they've altered. And it's been about really trying to move from an old way of looking at how you might market products to really starting and focusing that what I've advised every single person is to look at what people need, right? And in, in right now, put a, put a hold on trying to talk about your credit card or trying to talk about your new product or trying to talk about your new phone, right? Like focus first on what people need Mm -hmm. And then trying to meet those needs, be there for them. And then to the extent that your product or what you're offering is something that they need that can help fulfill that need, that's awesome. But people are in so much crisis right now. So it's been really, it's been trying to shift a very large boat into that focus from the way I think it's accelerated a lot of the transition in, in messaging and how brands talk to each other and, and consumers and, and what consumers want from their brands um, at a time of COVID and social crisis. Consumers want a very different relationship with their brands. Mm -hmm. so it's, it, it's been trying to get people across that bar in that vein. Mm -hmm. And, you know, speaking of that, like how hard has the competition been? Like, has the bar been, you know, rised up because so many brands are trying to like compete with each, with each other and, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, I mean, we only have one big platform, but there are like, so <laughs> many brands and everybody's like, you know, trying to hustle. So what, what are your point of views on that? Yeah, I think there's a, there's two different ways to look at it. Right. So I think, one is from a brand point of view, mm -hmm. everybody is leaning in, even if they don't understand digital and social, right? Like they're like, okay, we're gonna go after it, right? And I'm sure there's a lot of uh, people between the ages of 20 and 25 who are working at those companies who find themselves in a position where their boss, who may be twice their age is going, hey, what should I be doing on this? Like mm -hmm. what is, what is, you know, the TikTok thriller war, um, or, you know, which one's which? What's the difference? You know, there's a lot of people rushing into that scene. The good news is we had expertise going into it. Um, 
but it makes it hard to stand out in the crowd when there's a lot of noise, right? Mm -hmm. Just there's a lot of people doing a lot of things. It doesn't mean that they're doing them well, right? Like it doesn't mean that everybody's really coming at this from the same point of view. If they're just trying to be there, that can create a lot of noise out there. And it can be hard to stand out in that noise because when these platforms are driven heavily by algorithms and AI, they can't, it's hard for them to differentiate between noise and something that's good. And, you know, from a, from a consumer point of view, if you're looking for something or you're looking to partner with a brand or promote a brand or, or if you're accessing your posting, it's just as hard um, because it, it, you know, it, it takes away from the consumer experience. If you're trying to search for someone or something and there's five there's five people trying, but three of them doing it very badly. You only want the good stuff, right? You really only want the great story, the great, um, the great content, uh, but it's harder to find. And so there's a really a mismatch right now with, as you rightly point out, with so many people, so many brands really digging in. The big problem is, is noise and standing out in the crowd. Mm -hmm. So what are like some of the strategies or tactics that a brand can use to stand, to be able to stand out from the rest and, you know, actually have like the consumer's eyes on them, you know, because like we just, you know, we're talking about like the competition is so, uh, you know, ahead of ourselves. So I think that, you know, um, as someone who's trying to put their stuff out there, we have to think ahead of time and we have to think creatively and also strategically um, you know, making sure like our analytics and numbers and algorithms are working great. I mean, it's been so weird for me because <laughs> like I am terrible in math and algebra was like the worst thing. And then came along these algorithms with these, you know, bars and numbers from like different cities and countries <laughs> and people. And I'm, I went crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so like I didn't know how to brand myself anymore because it was just so confusing. So what are some of the strategies and tactics that you would suggest? Yeah, I think the first one for everybody, for every brand, every person, every public figure who is a brand, you know, you're, is to really like take a breath. Like I think everyone can get very overwhelmed very quickly. Um, I lead an entire division, right? And I can get very overwhelmed very quickly in this vein. So like everybody's in the same boat. I'm not good at math either, um, but I have a team, I have a whole team that is. But if you don't have a team, mm -hmm. I think the key about it is to put the data aside for, mm -hmm. for a minute and really focus in on who you are, right? If there's a lot of noise out there, you want to make sure that you are being who you are and that who you are has a place with a fan base, right? Like, so... You know, if everybody out there is doing um, at-home beauty tips, right, like, or workout routines or whatever that might be for any, anyone across um, any public figure sector, so fitness or, or lifestyle or content, you want to focus, yes, there's lots of that out there, but what, it, what is it that makes you unique? I think, you know, when you look at your personality and your music and the way that you approach things, that's really special, right? Like, that's, that's what really sets somebody apart. And I look at people all the time who I come across in my social media who are really unique and they build, and I say that because they build passionate fan bases because it's not just being authentic to who you are, it's that authenticity is gonna make your fans more devoted and more passionate, which is what's gonna drive that algorithm and that AI. 
right? So you get to feel good because you are who you are and you get to be yourself. And then those passionate fans are the ones who are going to do that. And then there are, there are concrete tactics, right? It's encouraging sharing. It's really engaging with people. It's making sure that your social and your digital presence are a two-way street, right? You want to make sure that you hear what people are saying and that they know that you hear what they're saying because that everybody wants to be a part of a conversation, not just staring into space. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a really unique personality and offering, you put that with really interesting content, right? That's useful or inspiring or funny or heartbreaking, like a really good story. You know, it doesn't matter that it's on social media. The answer is a really good story has been the answer to a lot of things since Shakespeare wrote in, you know, four or 500 years ago. So a really good story that in 15 seconds or 15 minutes, and then focus on how you get your fans to talk about that story, right? What, what is in it for them? What it, how are you servicing their needs? How are you engaging them? Tactically, what is the call to action? What do you want from them? And what do you want them to see from you? Building a relationship is the most important thing that you can do once you have that amazing content. And that's gonna drive that. You know, there, and at the end of the day, yes, remember that these are ad platforms. Uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, they all like to say that they're social media, but their revenue source isn't being social. Their revenue source is advertising. And be aware of that and utilize that to your advantage. Mm -hmm. That's great. So I'm going to make sure that I focus on my content and my brand and not worry about the numbers because they're going to come along. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you can look at the chart and the graph, but you'll see it. You'll see, okay, this, this is getting a lot more and listen to what people tell you. You know, we, we had a, a, a supermodel that we represent and she was like, I, this is, you know, these are my posts and this sort of thing. And what was interesting was she, you know, would compare a photo of herself in a bikini or herself in regular clothing. Her as an everyday, everyday woman was getting way more attention and engagement than her in a bikini. It was relatable. People wanted to see that she was real. That's why, you know, I like the, the get real of it all, right? Because it's, it's important and it's even more important in today's age. In a pandemic time, if that was a trend in culture, it is now the trend. People want authenticity. They want the realness. They want the real you. And the numbers will get there. And pay attention to where those numbers go, but don't get caught in the math, right? Like, I don't think, you know, look at the big picture. Absolutely. And speaking about authenticness and, and being real, um, over the years, I'm sure you must have seen a certain content or something that has attracted people way more than, you know, other contents that people have put out. So is there something that you've seen or does it just kind of, it depends on what the content is? You know, I think it depends on who the audience is. Mm. Um, you know, Wendy's and um, Netflix and Taco Bell have done a really good job of using Twitter to create um, content that goes viral. Um, I think that builds awareness and it builds a reputation for cool. It's I'd be hard pressed to see if that's directly converting to the purchase of tacos or cheeseburgers, right? <laughs> like, is it like it brings them back into the conversation, which is important, which should help. But, you know, those, I think they succeed because they have a really distinct personality. Like mm -hmm. they've chosen to go that direction. But if your audience is broad based, it's 18 year olds, it's 35 year olds, it's 50 years old, 
you have a very different task in front of you, right? Being snappy and, and sassy on, on Twitter isn't going to win you over with somebody who's 40 or 45. And a lot of artists, I think, and, and personalities say, okay, well, let me be really, let me build my fan base with who I am and, and with my age group. But the reality is there are a lot of people across a lot of different age groups looking for great content just because they're not Gen Z doesn't mean they're not incredibly valuable followers and that they're not going to find, you know, something that touches them. I think that's the beauty of music and the beauty of entertainment is that I can watch, a, uh, you know, I can watch a movie or a piece of content. You can watch a movie or a piece of content. My mom can watch a movie or a piece of content and everybody can be moved by a song or whatever that is that really moves them. And so I've, the, the stuff that I've really liked is stuff that's appealed to so many people in different, um, in different age groups in that vein and, and isn't just the sassy Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. So I really love, you know, I love what MasterCard is doing. Like they, they, they partnered with Camila Cabello and they, they did a whole concert series and, and lots of content around her. And it was stuff that if you were 22, you would find interesting. And if you were 42, you would find interesting. And I love that. That's great. So what, what are your thoughts on partnerships and collaborations? Like you just mentioned, um, you know, does, does that work on, uh, you know, more than, you know, you doing it individ individually because you have someone's support and you're doing it together or like, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I love partnership and collaboration and not just people, you know, guest starring on each other's podcasts or doing collabs with, um, in a, in a, living in a TikTok house or something like that. I, I love the idea of finding products and brands that really are a part of your life mm -hmm. and building a relationship with them. We work with a ton of influencers, a ton of celebrities, and there are some of them we represent. Sometimes we represent the brand and sometimes it's other people out in the, in the universe. The number one thing I think people do wrong is they look at every ask as a single transaction. So, you know, oh, somebody wants me to unbox this product. Here's my fee for my reach, my followers. The real, com the real conversation, the real success story is I if you do love someone's product, if you do love someone's brand, mm -hmm. what's the relationship you want to build? Because I can tell you as someone who represents brands, I'd much rather build a long-term relationship with an influencer that's going to be far more lucrative to them and far more authentic Mm -hmm. and something that we can do over the long term. And it's not just about those one-off posts. And if I think if people focus in like not on so many deals and so many like, okay, where am I going? What am I talking about? But just on building the relationship with the brand, mm -hmm. I think A, it's better for the influencer or the celebrity. It's better for the brand because they really authentically mesh and it's better for their audience. Their audience doesn't then view it just as a one-off product endorsement. They really see you using and engaging. We see the rise of that with celebrity entrepreneurs. Ryan Reynolds is a perfect example of this, right? Like he really truly believes in the companies that he's invested in and he's the face of Mint Mobile and Aviation Gin and all that. He's, he's out there building a relationship and his fan base doesn't mind even when he's directly selling to them because he's invested in it personally, financially, but also you can tell he's committed to it. And I love that. And I think if you build a relationship, even if you don't invest in the company, right, even if it's not your company, but you build a relationship, it's going to be better for everybody.
Wow, note that I can, I, I'm going to get my notepad and I'm going to start writing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to move a little back towards you. And I wanted to know, you know, throughout your journey and your career, where, was there any point, a certain point where you felt like, you know, that maybe, you know, I should take a break or was there any high, I mean, everybody's got their highs and lows, you know? So could you talk to us about your lows and how did you motivate yourself to just keep going? Cause you know, sometimes all this branding and social and digital things can get really to your, to your head. I mean, you know, me being like an influencer and an artist, it just gets too much. So for you to be working constantly, um, you know, in, a, in an environment like that can be absolutely <laughs> <laughs> it can be too much. And I, I often say if it, it's the first thing is accepting that it is too much, just period. <laughs> it is too much, right? Like there's and accepting that and accepting the, the chaos and the mess that out there and saying, you know what? It's okay. It's okay that this feels like too much. I think we have this pressure all the time to be okay, I've got to have the perfect content and I've got to have the perfect moment. I've got to, I've got to this, that influence. And there's so many people relying on me. I mean, and you, you have, you know, so many fans and that sort of thing. It's okay that it's too much, right? It's, it's, and I think that's the first step is just accepting that chaos. I have lots of friends who are parents now and they say the big, the big change when they become a new mom or a new dad is, is just accepting that things are just going to go wrong, right? It's okay. Like, the baby's going to spit up all those things. It's the same thing with your fans. You're going to post something and somebody's not going to like it. And a lot of people are going to like it. And I think the key is once you accept that and then you can recenter yourself and you can say, okay, if it's too much for everyone else, what is it for me? Do I like it? Am I doing this because I like to do this? Am I doing this because I think I'm going to put something good out into the world? Mm -hmm. Then what that extra noise out there becomes less important. I don't, you know, I would say if to anybody who's like, I'm doing this just to be, to do it, this is my career, this is everything. If you don't love it, don't do it. Like there are so many career options in the world. I mean, I'm horrible at math, but I could try being an astronaut. I like, do you know what I mean? Like there are so many things you can do in the world. I love, I love storytelling. I love, as much as I love the movies, I love 15 second storytelling and five minute storytelling and five hour storytelling. I love it. I read everything. I do what I do because I love it and because I'm, I believe that I'm putting good into the world. We're doing good things with good people. So yeah, it feels like too much. And when it is, I can sit by the pool and I can like look at a beautiful plant that I keep by the pool and, and just think I'm doing this because I love this. And all of these extra people who are yelling or stressed out or whatever else, they don't have that center, but I have that center and I can keep going. And that's what I come back to. But I think you, you have to accept the mess and do it for you. And then I think people will respect that. Absolutely. I mean, that's, a, that's an incredible thing that you just mentioned, you know, just accepting the mess already, because I feel like a lot of times, you know, like you just said, we, we tend to put a lot of pressure, um, you know, on us, and we start to like compare ourselves with other people, other brands and everything. And that sometimes gets, um, you know, too, too frustrating. Um, but I feel like, you know, if, as long as you're doing good and giving out good stuff to the people and, you know, and, and your fans are just kind of loving you, that's all that matters, you know, and um, 
we can worry about the haters later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's the RuPaul phrase, right? Which is, if you can't love yourself, how are you gonna expect somebody else to love you? And I think it's, I think it's the, I, I just botched that phrase, so I made another mistake, but it's okay to make mistakes, right? You've gotta love what you do, you've gotta love yourself. And yeah, we're in the middle of a COVID quarantine crisis, but people forget, like, there's a lot more to the world than just the, the crisis we're in. And it, this, this will pass. And at the end, I hope that the people who come out on the other side are the ones who really love what they did and love themselves in the middle of that. And that sounds super frou-frou and generic, but it's really true. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So speaking about, you know, the future, what do you think is the future from now uh, on? Um, about like, you know, the whole social and digital. Do you think this platform is going to take us further um, or anything like what, what do you see the future? Yeah, I mean, listen, the future is a little bit away. I mean, people forget that the 1918 flu didn't go away until 1920. Mm -hmm. um, so that, like, even if we move quickly, you're looking at a two year recovery. I think if anything, this is clarified for a lot of people. Um, just how important that in-person interaction is, right? How, like how much a hug matters, like how much a handshake matters, how much, uh, how much seeing somebody and hanging out matters. And, you know, I would be out with friends and you see everybody on their phones and everybody posting and everything else. And you, I think, I, I think, I hope you'll see less of that. I don't think you'll see less social posting or, or fewer people. I think people will instead focus on what they're doing in the real world and how that's represented socially and digitally, because that's what people want. Don't just do it for the gram, right? Mm -hmm. Do it for, because you love it and then share it with the world. You know, there's a meme that says, when the, when the bartender said, la said last call, uh, I didn't realize he meant it for six months, right? <laughs> and, and, and I think there's something we said to that when somebody's like, you know, uh, I'm never going to refuse an invitation to a party again, right? Like people, you know, that time when you sat at home, you're like, ah, do I really need to go? I think that's, those are all funny, but I think there's something to be said for just really embracing meaningful connection. And I think you'll see, hopefully, people with smaller social circles, you can't have 50 best friends, right? This isn't the real housewives of whatever city. Like this is, find that circle that you trust, that you want to spend time with, Mm -hmm. And when COVID is long gone, stay close to them. And I think that's the trend that I'll see. And then we'll see that digitally and socially represented. You'll see people putting more authentic messaging online, less doing it for the gram and more pride and joy and love and sharing it because it's something that's meant to be shared with people both online and offline. Mm, that's absolutely so beautiful. I mean, you know, like we all know that this year has been extremely painful for a lot of people. And, you know, I, I must say that at point I started regretting all the moments that I had spent on my phone when I was out with my friends and everything. So yeah, just like you said, you know, just, I think people are going to be so much more authentic and real and not do it for the gram. Um, so I'm honestly looking forward for the future of that because you know, it's the, it's the love and the beauty that we're going to share off each other. And, you know, that's how we're going to be connected. And also, you know, I think that's what our goal should be as, you know, as humans to just help each other um, in this busy uh, time. A hundred percent. You know, I used to have a grandfather and he used to use every pencil down to the little tiniest bit left in a pencil. And I asked him why, and he grew up in the Great Depression. And he said, because you 
this, this is an important pencil, right? You don't know when the next pencil is going to come along. And I think there's something to be said for all of us growing up in this time frame. Um, you know, not one, but two massive economic worldwide um, crises in 2008 and now, and this and the social justice crises coming to a head. I think if anything, if I could just ask anyone, whether they were 55 or 15 to take away from this, it's to take that minute, take a beat and think about the world that you're in and, and, and the influence that you have on other people and the, and the interaction with them and make sure that it's what, one that you can be proud of. Because if, if this has taught us anything, those in-person interactions, those digital interactions are the most important thing to be a, a positive force in the world. Absolutely. That's just beautiful. And so my last question before we head on to our game segment would be, <laughs> what are your future projects? Like, what can we look forward to? Yeah. So on the professional sense, you know, at RNCPMK, at Rosen Cowan, we have a ton of things which are amazing. We're, we're getting deeper and deeper into film marketing and innovative things in Hollywood that I think that are going to bring uh, those things forward. We've got, we're growing um, Circle Around, which is a new company from the Girl Scouts for adult women um, for content. It's a really amazing where all the revenue goes uh, back to fuel girls programs and Girl Scouts. We're, you know, expanding those programs. On the personal level, um, I am. I have a memoir coming out next year, which is super exciting. Uh, yes, um, I have. Uh, I'm. Uh, you know, I'm starting my own podcast, which I may be reaching out to you to come <laughs> say hello on. Um, and I know this sounds crazy coming from someone who is as expert as you are at these things, but my goal in the future is I am going to learn how to really personally TikTok. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's a verb yet, um, but it's the one social platform that I have really enjoyed watching, but I haven't put in the effort to like do something myself yet. So that's like a, a personal goal. You would think that like my memoir being published would be like more important, but kind of TikTok is, is the most important thing in, in the coming months. I feel you. I honestly feel you. I, this whole lockdown, I was literally just studying the TikTok and everything and I still haven't got it down. So fascinated. So much work goes into these TikToks. I know. I thought it was just doing the moves and the dance, but it's nothing of that sort. You need a great background. You need great outfit. You need the lighting and everything. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, my big accomplishment has been getting like my ring lights and everything else. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> All right, so we're going to go on to the game segment now. And I have these bunch of random questions for you to answer. Are you ready? All right, I'm ready. I will <laughs> see if I can get them right or wrong. <laughs> okay, great, great. All right, so what is your current state of mind? Californian, always. Uh, I am the most Californian person you will ever meet, including <laughs> the blonde hair and like the ditziness. Californian. Love it. I think that uh, that Californian vibe went into me too because I, I went blonde as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. On what occasion do you lie? Never. I um, have a really bad memory. So I, <laughs> I don't lie because I would never remember the lies that I told. And also I think it's a bad thing. But like I, I try to never lie, which sometimes gets me in trouble. <laughs> At least you're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Which talent would you most like to have? Oh, I wish I was good at science and math. Like, 
I love science and math, like science, like those documentaries. I'll watch every movie there is about space. I wish I was good at those things. I try, I still try, but like I blew up everything in chemistry class and it never got better. Like I made everything explode. I mean, exploding can get you far too, but. (laughs) Maybe a little dangerous, (laughs) but yeah, that would be a good talent I would love. (laughs) That's great. I mean, I, I left math ages ago in high school. I was like, I'm not going back to it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I never did calculus, and I just never really got behind the, like, letters being numbers business. I was super confused by it. I was like, but I just learned the numbers. Why are you replacing them with letters? I know, right? So <laughs> it was terrible. And one of the most, you know, worst birthdays were having like a four hour algebra test on my birthday and I was just sitting there literally doodling on my pages because I (laughs) girl I would have called in sick I would have had a cough and stayed home from school (laughs) I wish I did that (laughs) all right what is one of your weirdest habits I am super minimalist like way more minimalist than anyone would normally be your guest which is super weird like my background isn't just because I'm like in a generic background doing this podcast with you this is my actual background on my wall like I I have like I don't have like I don't take a lot of photos I don't have any photos in my home like it's it's super weird I acknowledge but I like a house that looks like it could be photographed for architecture digest and so I just keep it that way <laughs> Ooh, okay, I like that. And I think I I find your background better than mine. (laughs) I love yours. Yours has personality to it, which is great. (laughs) All right, tell us one thing people don't know about you. Uh, I'm an orphan. So um, I actually was orphaned when I was um, 14. So it's the subject of my memoir that comes out next year is um, what it's like to be an orphan and how to like grow up out of it. Like I got adopted later, but I was an orphan. No way. Are you serious? Yeah. I, I was an orphan too. And wait, really? Yeah. Oh my God. This is such <laughs> Wow. No, for real. I was. And, you know, I mean, fortunately I was, you know, adopted by such great parents and, um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it was very hard in the beginning because people knew, but I didn't. And the way that they treated me because I looked a little different to my parents, you know, um, and I have a little sister as well. And, uh, and yeah, they, they would, you know, treat me really different to, to how I was based on my parents and based on the fact that I was, you know, adopted. Um, but my parents and my family, they loved me so, so much. And I'm, you know, always so grateful and thankful. <laughs> It was just, I mean, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I love my family. They are the most genuine, incredible people um, that I could have ever met. I, I often say, like, if I had to go through what I had to go through to get this family, I would sign up for that because this family is my heart and my soul. My sister just got married, which is amazing. And it's like, I love everything about it. But yeah, the, being orphaned is rough. <laughs> Like, it's like, and I was, cause I, and I wasn't young, I was 14. Um, so it was like, um, it's a super weird story, but yeah, that's crazy. Um, what a small, I don't think you would just randomly find two orphans on any given day. Um, yeah, so right? this is like, yeah, I, I think we would be great friends. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> wow. That's, 
Well, you know, if you don't mind, I would just like to pause this game and talk to you about the the whole experience. Like, like you just mentioned right now, you know, being an orphan at the age of 14, like, was that hard? Like, you know, what, what are some of the things that you had to face? Oh, yeah. I mean, in some ways, um, you know, it's hard at any age. It's, it, it's harder at 14. Um, my, you know, my parents, uh, the originals who weren't in fact my parents, uh, disowned me. And then I was on my own and, you know, it's a good thing that they don't care about child labor laws in Indiana, <laughs> I guess, but I, you know, I had to get a job. I had to find a job for money and I had to decide like, was I going to work in food service or was I going to work in clothing? And I chose to work in like a clothing retailer, like a clothing store because clothing was more expensive and the employee discount meant more because I was super poor and had to find my own money. And, and, and I figured I could find cheap food anywhere. And then uh, in a super unique circumstance, my best friend in college, who's now my brother, um, his family adopted me and they're just the most incredible people. I never, I, I never, was, I wasn't looking for that. It's not like I was shopping for parents. Um, I don't think you can shop for parents at that age, um, but they were the most amazing people. And they decided that they wanted to be my parents. They said, you know, you know, we're your mom and your dad and, and they've embraced me and my family's embraced me. And it was, yeah, it was super hard. Like finding money is when you're young is really hard. Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that like, you know, everyone else is out there. Like, you know, if you don't go to, if, you, if somebody else had a job in my age group and they didn't, go to, they didn't go to their job, nothing happened to them. If I didn't go to that job, I didn't get paid and then I didn't have food to eat. I'm probably the only friend I know or the only person in my group that like knows what it's like to have hunger pains. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's, it was definitely a formative, rough experience, but I, I, got, I got the best family in the world. So on the other side of it, it's, so I, you know, I'm happy about that part. <laughs> That's so Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. Honestly. I mean, you know, I, I would have never thought about, you know, you being an orphan and, and from where you came from and, and to, to be here on this platform on this level and achieving so much. It's just so inspiring. That I am so grateful. I literally, I'm so grateful every day and thank you. That's so kind. I honestly, like, I would not be here if it were not for everyone in my life. So many people took me under their wings and like taught me things and took care of me and were like, listen, you need to be doing it this way because it's going to get you where you need like every boss, like amazing, strong women. Every boss I've ever had has been like an incredibly strong woman um, until recently. And, and, and now there's just a strong complement of men and women, but they've all taken me under their wing and been like, Hey, whispering in my ear, like you need to do this. I'm like, okay. Like people took care of me. Like I couldn't do this on my own. I, like, I'll be the first to admit it was, I was a mess growing up. So <laughs> I'm super grateful. I'm, I'm blessed to be where I am. Oh, that's just amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that, honestly. I mean, that, that's the story that, you know, a lot of people don't get to hear. But fortunately, because of this platform, because of, you know, the fact that you coming out with a memoir and, and sharing your story and experiences are definitely gonna, you know, change the, the way that people kind of see you or even if not that then it would just inspire people you know to to keep just to keep pushing and to keep dreaming uh yeah i mean and 
I appreciate it. I'm a, I'm a little shocked that that's what I chose to answer in the game because most people don't know I'm an orphan. Like I live a very privileged privileged life. Um, so now all of your followers do. Um, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's really, it's just life is a mess and learning to accept it and make something of it is just like the greatest blessing in the world. Absolutely. I, I, I <laughs> agree to you even more. I mean, that's just beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. So resuming back to our game. Oh, yes. Last question before I let you go. One embarrassing moment from your life. Oh my gosh. There are so many. I'm embarrassed every single day. If you, I joke, if you're not getting embarrassed, you're not taking enough risks in life. Um, I have gone to a job interview with my buttons mismatched. I have accidentally gone on stage to accept someone else's award thinking that they called my name. Ooh, bad idea. <laughs> Um, I am a klutz. I have fallen down in front of every friend I have. I am known for like, if I go for a jog with friends, like for just for taking a tumble in the middle of like in the middle of the street. Um, I, but my big, I, oh, you know what? Back when I was driving, because we would go places before COVID, um, I would get distracted. I was stopped at a stoplight and then I accidentally accidentally rear-ended the person in front of me, even though we were both stopped. Like, I just, I just went. Like, I, I thought that the light turned green in my head. And so I accidentally hit the person in front of me and I felt awful about it. And the woman got out of the car and she's like, we were stopped at a stoplight, both of us. What happened? Like, what was going, she wasn't upset. She was just like, what was going on in your crazy mind? I was so embarrassed. Um, she was so nice about it. Oh my God, wow. You really went for it. You were like... <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that, that's really hilarious. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. I had such an amazing time talking to you. Honestly, thank you so much for sharing, you know, some of the most amazing things ever. I have been inspired by you and I am so looking forward for your memoir and all your future projects and I cannot wait to check them all out. <laughs> and I wish you nothing but the best for the future. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I am super excited to see all of the new music that you're going to come out with after the COVID. Um, and I will, I will be front row um, at your first concert. So uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure tonight. And, and it's nice to meet a fellow orphan who's doing amazing, incredible things with her own life. I'm just, I'm so proud of you. That's, uh, it's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.